Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Just two of us today, Richard Cross and Michael Borky. Brian Haydad is in Nashville as they have just kicked off the Music City Bowl between Mississippi State and Louisville. And a good start for Mississippi State as Louisville's opening kickoff goes out of bounds. And so Bulldogs will have great starting field position for their first offensive possession of the game with Tommy Stevens today playing quarterback. Bowl games happening throughout the course of the day, a ton of them throughout the weekend. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Michael Borky took off a few days last week, able to enjoy some Christmas time with his family. Welcome back, my friend. It's good to be back, and it seems like a whole bunch of stuff happened when I was gone, but that's okay. Yeah, it's kind of how it goes, though, right? I mean, you uh, you step away for uh, a little while, and oh, wow, that's stuff that I would have loved to have talked about on the radio. Like, you think that the 26th and 27th of December would be days where, that's eh, all right, if you're gone, nothing's really going to happen. They're going to manufacture some stuff, talk about some random things. It'll be good, but it won't be like hardcore breaking news type stuff and of course that's exactly what happened when I left yeah and uh, one of those things was uh, obviously the situation at quarterback for Mississippi State Tommy Stevens getting the start today for the Bulldogs after Garrett Schrader's injury due to a punch from Willie Gay Uh, Garrett Schrader is reportedly in Nashville Joe Moorhead told the media last night that uh, he had just seen him walking in the hallway and it was a strange quote. I think he said eating licorice or something along those lines. Um, but he's there, and uh, Joe Moorhead said that Schrader and Willie Gay had talked. They had handled the matter internally and were moving on. And uh, so we'll see where that goes uh, down the line, uh, not just today, but uh, into the future as well. Obviously, Tommy Stevens, a guy who has started games this year, a guy who at times has played well. He's had trouble staying healthy throughout the course of the season. We'll see what it looks like today for Mississippi State offensively. Uh, Borky, they've just started this game. You you got any kind of a gut feeling on how this one goes? Uh, I'll probably get proven wrong here in a couple of hours, but especially considering what happened last week and the way Mississippi State has played, I've had no confidence in them going into this game whatsoever to come out with a win. just seems like there was too much stuff going on. You had the... Uh, firing rumors leading into the Egg Bowl. You still win the game, but then the the punch last week happens. It just seemed like there was a whole lot of stuff. And uh, when you've got a lot of time off and all you're doing is practicing football, a lot of stuff can creep into a locker room. Even though it's a Louisville team that their last game of the year got ran all over by a team that did not complete a pass. So hard to tell. I just have no faith right now in Mississippi State to win games. 
Yeah, and I agree with everything you said with regard to Mississippi State. I just can't get past the fact that they're a good bit more talented than Louisville. Now, Louisville under Scott Satterfield, moving things in the right direction. He's the ACC coach of the year. Uh, they won eight games in the regular season after going 2-10 and ten a season ago. But right now, I'm not saying three years from now. I'm saying right now, Mississippi State's better on the offensive line. They're better on the defensive line. They're better at running back. I think they're probably better at quarterback. A wide receiver, I would give the advantage to Louisville, and that's kind of been the case all season long. But the other piece of it is, you know, Garrett Schrader notwithstanding, Mississippi State's healthy. And they've got the full roster there. After well, except for what happened in pregame warmups, though. What did I miss? Daryl Williams. The so, center. Yes, Mississippi State center went down with an injury in pregame warmups, was holding his knee. His foot got caught just on the ground there. Whoa. And he went out and walked as a team captain. So maybe he's okay, but for right now, uh, I mean, he's playing. He went on the field, but he was down in pregame warmups, holding his knee, talking to trainers, and limped off the field. That's certainly not the guy that you want banged up if you are uh, are Mississippi State going into uh, into this game. I, I guess the thing that I was pointing to more than anything is all the suspension stuff is now in the rearview mirror, and so the guys that haven't been playing consistently throughout the year are there and they are ready and able to go. You do have a final in the first responder bowl as Western Kentucky beat Western Michigan in overtime, twenty three to twenty in that ball game. So uh, another one is done. We got a bunch to get to today. Um, I've already had an eventful day. I might. Yeah, tell us about bit. it. We buried the lead a little bit. Um, went and uh, had an appointment with Doctor Harden this morning. Uh, we've all gotten <laughs> lots of chuckles about that. Uh, Twelve minutes and thirty-eight seconds, Borky. Oh wow! That was how long the procedure took. I was. Uh, I got there about eleven. Um, he was doing a surgery at the hospital, and so was uh, about 11.45 or so when he got there. I think we started at 12, and I was uh, out of the, uh, like a little outpatient operating room. Um, 15 minutes later, and uh, about 10, 15 minutes after that, was uh, on the way home. Everything was good. Um, they the, the suggestion going in was to take a couple of pain pills that they had prescribed when I had kind of my initial rundown, and to take a Valium. And I don't like taking things like that. I very rarely in my life have I taken prescription strength pain medication. Uh, but I decided that I'd play by the rules and I would follow the directions. Uh, so I took the, uh, the the two pain pills that had been subscribed prior to the procedure. And I think really it's more about post-operation pain or post-procedure pain than it, the actual procedure hurting. Did you watch? Um, well, I mean, I was lying flat on my back, so I couldn't really see it. Okay. Um, as it was uh, as it was all happening. Uh, by the way, I'm working from the Renaissance Bank home studio, and my daughter is sitting here today, and she's looking at me <laughs> sideways right now as I uh, as I discuss this. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, I mean, if, you, if you're listening and you're like, well, "What exactly is it you're talking about?" Yes, it was, uh, it was, it was the V snip today. Um, so, so went through that, but um, no, it went, it went quickly. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. Hey, I said overtime. Did that game not go to overtime? Did they kick a lot? So, no, no. Richard, he missed the field goal, but there were 12 men on the field on the defense, so an untimed down got to re-kick 
made it ball game. Oh my goodness. I flipped away because I thought that they threw like a, a Hail Mary. So there were 12 men on the field when they threw the on... Hail Mary toward the end zone. Yes, and they got to kick the football. Oh, wow. And so then won the game. off game winner for um, uh, for Western Kentucky in the uh, in the ball game. So uh, I don't I don't know if I finished what I was saying or not. So um, you got the point anyway. across though. Quick uh, no, quick procedure. Yeah, no, the, and... the, the the only thing that didn't feel well today for me was the how the pain medicine felt. Like, I kind of got a little bit woozy right before it started, a little lightheaded, a little heavy-headed almost, and uh, just got a little wave of nausea right before it, but then it, it was fine. Uh, my only issue was afterward. Jane was driving me home after, and I was like, pull over. She's like, what? I said, pull over right now, and uh, had to hung, uh, hang my head outside the doorway just for a second, and a uh, quick yakety-yak because uh, the medicine didn't sit well, and uh, feel great since. I mean, I think there's going to be some soreness going forward, but... Nevertheless, so uh, my my thanks to uh, to Doctor Harden. If uh, this is a procedure that you've got to go through or need to go through, I cannot give a uh, a higher recommendation. Uh, it was a uh, uh, relatively painless and certainly uh, easy process. Louisville driving inside the five yard line, a fumble on run after the catch. And Mississippi State gets the football back. Louisville kind of moved down the field uh, pretty easily. Marcus Murphy is down for Mississippi State medical training staff, or the uh, is uh, kind of out looking at him right along the edge of the sideline. Uh, you know, he had a big game uh, against Ole Miss. I thought was maybe the best defensive player on the field uh, for Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Appears as if he's going to be okay, but Louisville uh, just moved it right down the field uh, from their own. Two-yard line, then a fumble inside the five, and Mississippi State gets it back. So a little bend but don't break uh, defense but there. But, man, I mean, you know, it's a good play and stuff, but yet again, I mean, for the 20th time in two years at Mississippi State, starting a game poorly, a quick three and out to start the football game, and then uh, Louisville's driving the football right down the field. They cannot start games well. I mean, it's it's gone from... Uh, something that they do often to a habit to an identity. Yeah. And I don't understand why. You know, so many teams script plays out of the gate. It's like that. that is something where more times than not, your first drive of the game should look good. Uh, but uh, it has not been the case for the majority of the time over the last couple of years. But Mississippi State dodges a bullet. They get the ball back uh, inside their own five-yard line in a scoreless Music City Bowl. We're not going to necessarily do play-by-play for you today. We're obviously going to talk a lot about this game and keep you up to date with what's happening. Plus, college football playoff semifinals, a bunch of other games, final weekend of the NFL's regular season, season, Black Monday in the NFL, winners and losers, and a whole lot more. We're back after this with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Monday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Michael Borky. Hey, Dad is in Nashville, Mississippi State, playing their bowl game today against Louisville, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Not great news for Mississippi State. I did not see this happen, but heard the report during the commercial break. After the first offensive play of the game, Kylan Hill went out of the game. He's been taken back to the locker room. 
to be further examined with uh, what Cole Kubelik said was a lower extremity injury, um, which is more detailed than just lower body, uh, but obviously not a, a ton of information there as well. Don't know if ankle, knee, uh, otherwise what the uh, the issue is. But uh, as of right now, it's Lee Witherspoon, the freshman running back from Birmingham who is playing uh, for Mississippi State instead of Tylen Hill in the uh, in the ball game. Ceasefire text line open to you 601-879-4395 601-879-4395. Ray in Picayune says they must have given you Lortab for the pain. No, it was um uh, Percocet. I guess same idea, but uh, it was not Lortab. It was Percocet. A uh, couple of those, and ooh, I will not do that again. Um, I mean, unless it's just a, a situation where I'm absolutely dying. I'm Borky. I'm just staying away from it altogether because it makes me feel gross. Yeah, you know? I, I'm with you. I can't do it either. I have, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of funny. After I broke my neck in high school in a football game, I, I had to take that stuff, and they still were sending me to school. And, and I, I had a numbing. You, you're not allowed to drive. Oh, I had to get rides. But I also couldn't feel the back of it. So I'd be sitting in school just kind of, you know, spaced out a little bit, and there was a hole in the back of the brace. And my best friend in the world sat behind me in one of my classes in high school, uh-huh. And he would write things on the back of my neck, and I couldn't feel it. So I'd get home that day and take my brace off. My parents would see, uh, you know, words and objects that I can't repeat on the radio drawn huh. on the back of my neck. Fair enough. Oh, goodness. People are mean in high school, aren't they? <laughs> hey, who's calling plays for Mississippi State? The last two plays for the Bulldogs have been a flea flicker and a reverse. I like now, it. Reverse didn't do much, but there was a face mask on Louisville, so a 15-yard penalty there. Uh, Mississippi State trying to take advantage of the uh, turnover by Louisville deep in their own territory. Bulldogs have driven it down to just inside the 10-yard line. They've got it first and goal, about five and a half minutes to go in the opening quarter of the Music City Bowl in Nashville. All right, Borky, in the first half of the Peach Bowl, College football playoff semifinal number one. Joe Burrow threw for 403 yards and seven touchdowns. And it was not as if he was throwing to receivers who were running wide open, who were just sitting there with, you know, nothing but green grass around them. You you, you cannot throw the ball any more accurately than Joe Burrow threw the ball on Saturday against Oklahoma. Where did this come from? I mean, I know he's been good all year, but the the he's Joe always, he's completed eighty percent of his passes all season. I long. mean, it's unbelievable. He's never had a game below seventy. What he did against Oklahoma, and I saw people call Oklahoma fools gold, and that is not that, that's not no, close. They were good. They were exactly who you should have thought that they were. It's just Joe Burrow decided to have a lifetime kind of game. I mean, rec- obviously record-breaking, but the f- it's not like he did that against Northwestern State. And Oklahoma was not fool's gold or anything. It was a good team from the Big 12 that just ran into an absolute buzzsaw on Saturday. Let me get your take on this. We talked about it some, and, and I gave Haydad a little bit of a hard time. But we were talking 
last week about Joe Burrow as elite talent versus system quarterback. It is absolutely 100% unfair to Joe Burrow to call him a system quarterback. But is there something to that? I, I heard it earlier today, some radio show that I was listening to, maybe Rick Neuheisel talking about this. The offense that the Saints run allowed at one point this year Drew Brees to go 29 of 30 in a football game. It's an offense that has a whole lot of similarities to what LSU is doing now that has allowed Joe Burrow to complete 80% of his passes for the season. Is there something to that? It, it, it can't be exclusively that, right? I mean, it, it's, it's not because, as you mentioned, the throws he was making in the Peach Bowl, I, I mean, there there were times where it was there were cover covered receivers throwing the ball, and Borky, they're throwing the ball down the field. Yes, it's not dink and dunk passes. But I do think there is a little to that. I mean, how many college football teams in the country have Chase and Jefferson and Terrence Marshall catching passes? Not many, and. The, the scheme element is a really good and, point. And that's that's not even to mention Thaddeus Moss in the mix. Yeah, your tight end. And it was different a year ago, and I know he joined the team really late. I think he joined them in late summer. So, I mean, ha- having to get acclimated to school as a transfer and all of these guys have no idea who you are, and you have to win the job and play a season in just a couple of weeks, it's difficult. But And they still won 10 games with him doing that a year ago. Of course. Denying that Joe Brady's the reason, I think, would be a little silly. It's probably, as most things are, a combination of it all. I mean, the guy was Mr. Football in Ohio. I mean, Ohio State recruited him and wanted him to be their quarterback of the future. They just happened to also have a national champion, a first-round draft pick, and a school record breaker in the same quarterback room. So it kind of got crowded there. But it's the, the talent is there. The raw talent is there. He'll be the number one pick for a reason. But... If Joe Brady wasn't there, this doesn't happen. So so Ohio State knew what they had with Joe Brady. Absolutely. Even if nobody else did. Yeah, outside of of recruiting circles. So, So think about how single decisions change the landscape of college football. Well, you know, we talk about this all the time. I mean, Nick Saban's decision to... Well, how about this? The doctor's decision to not clear Drew Brees, therefore him not going to Miami, therefore Nick Saban doesn't have a great quarterback situation, comes back to college football, therefore Alabama uh, turns into the most dominant team, you know, of the decade or or however you want to, you know, le- leading him to be the greatest coach of all time in college football. How about Joe Burrow chooses to leave Ohio State? Therefore, Ohio State is looking for a quarterback in the transfer portal. Justin Fields doesn't win the starting job at Georgia, transfers to Ohio State, and is unbelievable. So what if Joe Burrow decides to stay put at Ohio State? Does Justin Fields end up there? No, he's somewhere else. Where is LSU right now? You know, what What are the fortunes of Ohio State? What are the fortunes of LSU and, and all the other things that go along with it? I mean, it's crazy how 
one decision can have a domino effect, and it changes a lot of things in the college football landscape. Man. All the way back to Drew. It comes for full circle, right? Because there's a lot of crossover Saints and LSU fans that because they got <laughs> Drew Brees, they also somehow got Joe Burrow and had uh, maybe the greatest collective season in those two franchise-slash-teams history. Um, How much of Saturday was LSU is great versus Oklahoma's just average? See, I have a feeling, maybe not to that degree, but I honestly think that Ohio State and Clemson would have done the same thing to Oklahoma. Would have beaten them. It wouldn't have been close from the jump. It would have... I mean, we talked all season, right? And leading up to these games, it felt like there was three and then a gap and then everybody else. Oklahoma just happened to be the one that got that final spot, but I think what we saw Saturday was just confirmation that it was three and then a gap and everybody else because I think Ohio State went healthy and J.K. Dobbins was injured in the second half, which changed the complexion of that game as well, even though nobody's really talking about that. I think Ohio State would have done the same thing, and I think obviously Clemson would have done the same thing. Maybe not 409 or 403 yards and seven touchdowns in the first half, but would have blown out Oklahoma in one way or another. Yeah, and and it's really not a knock on Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's a good football team, and and you saw that all throughout the season. And Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, and CeeDee Lamb is a great wide receiver. They've got good players on both sides of the ball. They do. But there is a there was a line of demarcation between three and four this year. And all season long, y- your eyes told you that the three best teams in the country, with very little debate, were LSU, Oklahoma, I- I'm sorry, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson. They were the three best teams. And then it was, okay, somebody else has got to play in there. It wouldn't have looked any different if Utah had played against LSU on Saturday or if Oregon had played against LSU on Saturday. I don't think. I think there's that big of a difference this year between number three and number four. And now we get a great matchup for a national championship game two weeks from tonight. LSU and Clemson in New Orleans. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. with you streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Monday afternoon. Hope you had a great weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, just the two of us today. Is uh, Hey Dad is in Nashville at the Music City Bowl where Mississippi State leads 7 to nothing, And uh, Rippey is uh, hanging out elsewhere. Uh, taking a few days off. He will uh, return to us on the 3rd of January. So uh, kind of getting those vacation days in at the uh, end of the year. How many did you did you walk away with, Morky? How many are you going to leave on the table? Oh, I think seven. More than you want to think about? <laughs> no, I had to take a couple extra because the little guy got uh, sick. So, oh, that's right. So five? Okay. okay. So about a week. 
Yeah, which is five fewer than last year. So at least I got to take a little bit more than I usually do. There you go. There you go. You got to plan better throughout the course of the year. I do. We're doing a beach trip this summer for sure. I haven't been gotcha. to the beach in a long time, and it's time for me. Oh, to Oh, that'll back be to fun work. to take little man to the beach for the very first time. Because he will be, he'll be crawling by then. Hopefully, knock on wood, he'll be crawling by then. Uh, maybe even walking if he's an overachiever. But knowing Dad, he's not going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, if he can walk by then, he'll trip over something and fall <laughs> if he's taking it after you. You're not kidding. Uh, I will tell you this. You know what's not uh, super duper fun? Sand in a diaper. Oh man. But I guess the good news is you just take the diaper off and like dip him in the ocean and uh, wash it off. <laughs> I still can't I believe I learned. I mean, I guess I already knew this, but I didn't know that people actually used like the machine washable diapers. And based on what he's been producing <laughs> lately, those people are insane. Yeah, yeah. You better have an industrial strength washing machine. <laughs> not, not a chance. Hey, let's look at it. Let, let's look at a few of the numbers from. LSU Oklahoma. Oklahoma scored 28 points in the game. But let's be real. It, it didn't matter. It was never close. It was never in doubt. LSU led 21 to 7 after the first quarter and just came out and blitzed Oklahoma out of the gate. What was it? Three and out, shanked punt, two plays later, LSU's in the end zone. And it was literally three minutes into the game, you go, ball game. The yep. route is on. There was no question. After two offensive possessions, one for Oklahoma and one for LSU, there was no question how that game was going to end. Is this kind of a hot take to say that while Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, obviously, and he deserved to go to New York for the Heisman, and he did good things at Alabama, and he helped teams, multiple teams now, win games and he's got a good story, he stuck it out and did the right thing, and he says all the right things, but isn't he who we've always thought he was? I mean, I know there was a talent gap and stuff, and he was playing from behind all night, but didn't... And a few other times this year, he kind of showed you that there were limitations uh, with him as an actual quarterback, and it showed you why Alabama moved on? I think... um... Jalen Hurts is going to have a good career in the NFL, but I do not think it's going to be as a starting quarterback. He might he might spend a decade in the NFL as a backup quarterback, or you could see Joe Burrow become some combination of Randall Cobb and Antoine Randall L. and uh, Cordell Stewart, maybe, if you want to go back a ways. Like the, like there there's a role for that type of an athlete and that type of a teammate. But yeah, Jalen Hurts is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. In fairness, I thought he was better this year throwing the football. He was, and that might be due to the system, but I heard a couple of national people. I listened to a lot of radio for 19 hours in the car. Um, a couple national guys compare him to Lamar Jackson. They're like, oh, he's very similar to the way Jackson nah. was at this time. And it's like, guys, no, no, not even close. Jackson's so. a more dynamic athlete, and he throws the ball better. It, that's not saying that Hurts is a bad athlete, but Lamar is special in almost every way. Hurts just Jalen isn't there. Hurts went, yeah, he went 15 of 31, 217 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Joe Burrow, 
29 of 39. I was joking with you last night when we talked. There was a point in the second half where he had three consecutive incompletions. I mean, it felt like the world was coming to an end. Yeah, I know Clemson's going to see that on film and really take advantage of it. You know, it was a throwaway, <laughs> a tight coverage, and a ball that was batted away, I think. 29 of 39, 493 yards, seven touchdowns through the air, five carries, 22 yards, and a touchdown. And the the list of records that he set, we don't have time to go through all of them. The, the eight touchdowns responsible for the most in a college football playoff ga- game. You know, most yards in a half, most touchdowns in a half, most touchdowns in a game, most yards in a game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was absolutely dynamic. And LSU did this without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He had two carries in the game for 14 yards. Chris Curry played well, 16 carries for 89 yards. Tarion Davis-Price, four carries for 25 John Emery Jr., who was you know one of those guys that got a ton of hype in the recruiting process, three carries in the game for him. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you would think, is going to get healthy. And LSU, how about this? The, the, the same coach that at one point had his team go with a full inter-squad scrimmage during a weather delay of a football game gave his team three days off two weeks prior to the national championship game. I was flying out of Baton Rouge yesterday afternoon after the basketball game, and one of their offensive linemen was in the security line just in front of me. We were talking for a moment. and So you guys get a couple of days off since you didn't get to go home for Christmas? He's like, yeah. said, uh, they've got to be back on Tuesday. So LSU spent the night as a team – Saturday night in Atlanta. They didn't try and jump on the plane and get right back. So they stayed in Atlanta Saturday night. As a team, they flew back to Baton Rouge on Sunday. Got Sunday off, Monday off, Tuesday off. They'll come back together for a team meeting on Tuesday night. No way the Ed Ogeron of a decade ago does that. Not a chance. No way. What do you think about, and of course, things like this always come out after the fact. I can't imagine how many times this has been said and it didn't prove to be true, but multiple people that cover... LSU said that the coaches either privately told them or through sources said out loud that Oklahoma wouldn't be the fourth best team in the SEC West. Like that they didn't deserve to be in the top 15. At least the Oklahoma that they saw on film than the one they played against. It's not an every year thing because I'm not going to do that today. The SEC was bad, really, with the exception of the teams at the top. But they said that Oklahoma would be the fourth best team in the SEC West this year. What if the SEC was only bad in comparison to its recent self and it really wasn't that bad this year? Well, if you put it up against every other league, it's still the best. I mean, who would I mean, who would you compare it to? I don't think there is one. Well, no, I, I guess the point that I'm making is Texas A&M, who we felt was just kind of average this year, right? Yep. I mean, they played Clemson close, you know, whatever. But Texas A&M in their bowl game in the Texas Bowl against Oklahoma State with Chuba Hubbard. Oklahoma State, what, the third, fourth best team out of the Big 12? Yeah, they were playing a backup quarterback, though. Texas A&M was down 14 to nothing, and they won 24-21. And Texas A&M was, what, the eighth best team in the SEC this year? Probably. 
you know, again, I'm not trying to beat the SEC drum too loudly right now. I mean, I, I think this was a year where, you know, a little top heavy. But look, I mean, LSU is the best team in the country. It's always top heavy, though. And and isn't every good league every? I mean, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball. I mean, it. If you're not at the top, you're not very good. That's kind of how it works, right? I just wonder if we didn't give enough credit. I mean, Florida's really good. Florida's ten and two right now. They're going to play Virginia tonight in the Orange Bowl, and they'll beat them Texas by A&M seventeen. Was just, yeah, Texas A and M was just okay. They look pretty darn good against Oklahoma State. Kentucky is seven and five without a quarterback for the majority of the year. Auburn is a nine-win team with losses to Oregon. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, that's not right. They beat Oregon. A nine-win team with losses to Georgia, LSU, and Florida. Right? That's right. Alabama went ten and two. And they lost their quarterback. Georgia was 11-2. Tennessee looked left for dead. I'm, I'm really anxious to watch Tennessee and Indiana on Thursday night. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Obviously, we focused on LSU so far. But there was an awfully fun game to watch on Saturday night. Had to go to Phoenix for that one. Ohio State and Clemson. We'll look at that one next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Uh-oh. Laundry all over the field. Fisticuffs of sorts. Let the guys in the striped shirts sort it out. Mississippi State leading 7-0 over the Louisville Cardinals. 11.34 to go second quarter. Mississippi State went three and out on its first offensive possession of the game. Punted Louisville back to the two-yard line. Louisville, without much resistance, took it all the way down the field, but then fumbled inside the ten. Mississippi State got it back, drove the length of the field, and scored a touchdown to go up 7 to nothing. And waiting to see if we've got offsetting penalties. No, only a penalty, it appears, on Louisville. So Mississippi, oh, I got a Louisville player that's been ejected from the game, Borky. I'm just a touch behind you, so I'll see it here in a second, but uh, not good. No. No, so things going well for Mississippi State early in this ballgame. You want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. I'm trying to kind of watch the replay. There, there was a guy from Mississippi State who it looked like kind of stepped on a player as he was getting up, and the Louisville player on the ground just started kicking and kicking and kicking. It wasn't even that he was stepped on. It was just somebody was holding on to his leg. Etheridge, number 17, the linebacker for Louisville, done for the day. And he is not pleased. 
You can't just start kicking people. Dorian Etheridge, a junior linebacker. Yeah, I don't know what Louisville players are trying to convince the officials of when they point to the scoreboard to show the replay. That's, um, that's I mean, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. Or it certainly looked like that to uh, to this point. All right, so we talked some about LSU, Oklahoma. What about the game on Saturday night? Clemson and Ohio State. Ohio State jumped out to a 10 to nothing lead. And really, Borky, it should have been more than that. I guess, it, what, it was, was it 13 nothing? It was 16, I believe. It was 16 to nothing. And it should have been probably 24 nothing. Yeah, you had uh, a missed throw from Fields to Dobbins, and he actually he caught it but didn't complete the process of the catch. Ball came out in the end zone or whatever. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so the big conversation that everybody's having about this game is the officials, but, man, Ohio State had so many chances to win that game and just failed to do so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was a scenario where you were going to knock Clemson out early period they're just too good and they're too confident and they've been there and and they get it so you weren't going to get Clemson to quit but man you had a chance to make the hill that they had to climb uh, that they would have had to have climbed to win that game steep and arduous and rocky and you know however else you want to describe it but by kicking field goals versus scoring touchdowns you left the window open so it goes from 16 to nothing to 16-7 to 16-14 going into the locker room, and now it's like, oh, boy, we've got a game. And then in the uh, the second half, Clemson gets a touchdown in the third quarter to take their first lead. Ohio State scores a touchdown, but then they don't go for two. And it could have been a really big deal As it turns out, Clemson gets a late touchdown. They go for two, and they win it by six, 29-23. How impressed were you with Trevor Lawrence? See, early he kind of struggled a little bit, and I think that's in part because he hasn't seen a secondary like this, and I don't think the one he's going to see in a couple of weeks is as good as the one he saw from Ohio State. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Uh, No, I would agree with that. But his running ability. I mean, that's a defense that has seven, eight NFL guys on it. And to do what he did on the ground, especially when he struggled early through the air, that's what's so impressive about him is he is a true pocket passer. He can make every throw, all that good stuff, but yet he can also still beat you with his legs. They don't force quarterback runs, but when they call it, he's so good at it. And he's bigger than he looks. I mean, he's he's lanky because he's six, six foot six. Two, 30, maybe? Yeah. So he's a big guy, but he can move, man. And that that's what's so impressive about him is the running ability. I mean, running away from a defense that has NFL players all over the field. Yeah, 6'6", 220 for Trevor Lawrence. I don't know how fast he is, but as you watch that long run that he had, the touchdown run develop, you kept thinking, okay, somebody's going to close on him. Somebody's going to close on him. And nobody was really able to close the gap. They were able to get to him but they couldn't quite get him. And, you know, I mean, I, what is that? 4'6", 4'6", 5", 4'7". I don't know exactly how fast he is, but he was impressive. 
Justin Fields has got a great arm, 30 of 46. One touchdown. He only had one interception all season long. He had two in the ballgame on Saturday night. Clemson, 14-0. LSU, 14-0, playing for a national championship in two weeks. One hour in the books. We are back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Mississippi State leading 14-0 over Louisville in the Music City Bowl. Richard Cross, Michael Borky with you on this Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Louisville is on the board. Backwards pass from the quarterback off to the left side. And somebody forgot to guard the receiver down the opposite sideline, wide open for a touchdown. And Louisville's on the board. It's now 14-6, to extra point coming. At Mississippi Land Bank, they've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. You can check out their website, mslandbank.com. Find a branch location near you. They're scattered all across North Mississippi. Or grab the phone number and give them a call. Great people to do uh, to do business with. At Mississippi Land Bank, they know the lay of the land. Borky, you want to stay on the? Uh, I guess we got to do winners and losers, right? Uh, uh, well, let's stay on this stay though. On the... We can push the winners and losers back because outside of the game itself being as good as it was, uh, I mentioned J.K. Dobbins' injury. He was not the same in the second half at all. But either was Justin Ross or T. Higgins, so it's kind of a wash. But I mean, heavyweight fight. Two really good teams going at it. Two really good quarterbacks. Two really good defenses. Just great football. And yet, the conversation today is about officiating mistakes. One in particular. The targeting thing was the right call by the letter of the rule. But the rule is poorly written because that should not get you ejected from a football game. The catch, fumble, return for a touchdown that was called correctly on the field and the points subsequently taken off the board after a review, that's just embarrassing. There's something that I've decided that I've got a little bit of a problem with. And that something is the on the broadcast ref who it feels like... Doesn't it feel like more times than not, he's defending his compatriots? Absolutely. As opposed to looking at it the way we all look at it? Of course. I mean, Richard, the guy even said, well, it's not a football move, really, until you, like, turn to the sideline until up. What's up? Sorry. Mississippi State just fumbled the kickoff return, and now Louisville's got it at about the 25. Oh, no. That's about to happen on my screen here. Oh, sorry I ruined it for It's you. okay. I've got the Spanish broadcast on. It's kind of funny. At commercial breaks, I turn the volume up and forget because the Spanish broadcast, <laughs> for some reason, is ahead of the regular one. So, there um, you go. But, yeah, the guy said, well, it's not really a football move. I would like to see him turn up field or turn the sidelines or something. When has that ever been what constitutes a football move? He caught the ball, clearly possessed it, took three full steps, and brought the ball into his waist, and then he fumbled it. What else the, are you looking for? The the problem that I had, and I didn't feel like it was something. You know, Herb Street very clearly said that that looks like a catch and a fumble and a touchdown to me. 
and Chris Fowler kind of he stayed on the fence with it a little bit. But the thing that that bothered me, and I never heard until well after the fact, the reason that he wasn't able to tuck the football was because the the Ohio State defender did a great job with kind of like an arm bar. He like came across and kind of like pinned his arm in place, keeping him from being able to pull the football into his body. That kid had str- – who was it that fumbled? Was it Higgins? I think so. Uh, wh- whoever it was. Caught the football textbook. Big, strong hands. Reach out, snatch it out of the air, and took three steps before the ball was knocked loose. And they, and they say, well, you know, you can't really look at it in slow-mo versus – I got news for you. Football's a fast game. Things happen quickly. These guys are big and they're strong and they're fast. There's your cliche. And so, of course, it happens quickly in real time. But when you strong hand catch the football and take three steps, that's a catch. Period. And it was called correctly on the field. Credit to the officials on the field for doing that. For getting it right. And then they turn it over. And... Whoever the I don't remember who the uh, the officiating guru was that they had I can't remember his name I don't know who it was but, either to tell you the truth but Terry McCauley who is NBC Sunday Night Football's rules analyst former official came out on Twitter and said you know that was that was really bad and I agree with it I, or I certainly agree with him. You know, watching it in real time, I was like, eh, I don't know. I, I get, I kind of see what they were doing, why they turned it, you know, overturned the call. But uh, again, I mean, we watch football, right? Right. We know what a catch is. The rules make it hard to kind of determine what a catch is sometimes, the way they're written. Would Ohio State have won the game if that call hadn't been overturned? Oh, man. Uh, I would say probably. but And that's the thing. When, when you point this out, some people say, oh, well, that, you know, that's just what sore losers do, or that's not why they lost. No, because they had chances in the first half, as we mentioned, they kicked field goals when they should have scored touchdowns. And Justin Fields, even though he's credited with the interception, it was his wide receiver. There was some, it was a miscommunication. It wasn't a bad pass. It was his receiver broke off a route and went the literal opposite because, direction. Because- and, and and you know what? That play was the one that made me go, Kirk Herbstreet's so good at his job. He immediately saw that. Oh, I'm talking about on the final play of the game, the interception. Yep. Immediately saw it. Immediately recognized what happened. Immediately went to the replay and diagrammed and showed you what happened. And his point was because the play took, took so long to develop, the receiver thought that he had to make a play or adjust his route to try and help his quarterback make a play and kind of gave up on the route. I don't know if he would have caught it. I, I don't know what the result of the play would have been, but it probably would have been different than what the outcome was. Probably so. At least on that particular play. Yeah. And so you can point out both. Like that, what happened with 
the reversal of that call that literally took points off of the board should not happen in a college football playoff game. The stakes are too high for that to have gone on. And naturally, of course, it was an SEC crew, just to put the icing on the cake there. But yeah, that, that just can't happen. And Ohio State had chances to make plays, and they didn't, and they lost the game, and Clemson wins, and I think the result is something that everybody can live with. But that's just I, terrible. Man, there is craziness happening in this Mississippi State-Louisville game. You got penalties all over the place. Louisville has had two big plays, one on this drive that was called back by penalty and just had a play where they would have picked up a first down and might have gone into the end zone, but the ball was dropped. I mean, it was absolutely run for you catch. Quarterback did a great job kind of buying some time and just plain dropped. Bulldogs catching some breaks, and they're leading 14-7 to over Louisville. I think a field goal try coming up here in just a moment. Oh, I'm what just your, seeing that. What, How do you drop that? My goodness. It was wide open. Oh, wide man. Wide open. So Louisville looks like they may go for it on 4th and 11. They've got the ball at the 34. So it'd be a long field goal try, about a 51-52 yard field goal try. So when it's all said and done, what was your takeaway from Clemson, Ohio State? Those are just two really good football teams. Uh, that They are, just like with LSU, Oklahoma, they are who we thought they were. I thought... Uh, Ohio State could go down as one of the best teams to not make the national championship game. Like If you look back into the BCS era where we left teams out on purpose, I saw somebody compare them to 4 Auburn. Um, but just two really good football teams. And I think both of them would have been able to compete with and have a chance to beat LSU. Their secondaries and their defenses are for real. I mean, those are teams with elite quarterbacks and elite receiver cores struggling to get open and struggling to make plays down the field. Early line on the national championship game, LSU three, maybe three and a half. Do you think that's the right number? Did that number surprise you at all when it came out? Hasn't it jumped up to like six already, too? Has, has it moved that much? It has moved significantly. I I have not pulled up. Let's see. To see how it's been adjusted. Five and a half now is what I'm seeing. Okay, so five and a half. I wonder if it'll settle at about that number. So it was at three. It almost immediately went to three and a half. It's moved another couple of points to maybe even gotten to six. And it's come back down to five and a half. That sounds about right. I still just, I don't think the questions of LSU's defense has been answered yet. I feel like Clemson's a more complete football team than LSU is. If this thing gets to a, if the the line were a touchdown, would you feel comfortable taking the points and taking Clemson? Yeah, with with next month's mortgage check. Ooh. You want to make a wager? I can do one. I'll give you a touchdown. Steak dinner? Yes, sir. So I got LSU minus seven. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. How about this, Morgan? He said it's almost 2020 and the NCAA still doesn't know what a catch is. That would have happened in the end zone. Wouldn't that have been a touchdown? I think they would have called it one, yeah. If he'd have done that and gone out of bounds... 
for example, they would have called it a catch. If those three steps would have led him to being out of bounds and then he was stripped, it would have been a catch. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that front. It just doesn't make sense. That's the it. It does not make sense. And of course, the Big Ten is supporting their own. But the head of officials for the Big Ten conference released a statement saying that play should have stood. Yeah. It's it sucks. And the NFL's got the same problem, man. It happened in uh, Seattle, San Francisco last night. I went. I had to unfortunately watch the end of that game because it hurt the Saints uh, back over again after it happened. But there was a clear and obvious pass interference that was not called in under two minutes in the NFL it's supposed to be reviewed and because they added that element after the Saints Rams debacle uh, the head of officials for the NFL said that they reviewed it without stopping the game and it there wasn't a clear and obvious impediment of getting to the football or whatever and that oh we looked at it it wasn't P.I. Well, everybody with a brain and two eyes can tell you that that's what it was, and you watched it between two plays somehow at every angle and determined that it was a clean play when it clearly wasn't? It's just, it's a problem everywhere. I don't understand it, but no well. Sports Talk Mississippi, the C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Let Borky handle this just for a, uh, a couple of minutes. It's time... For winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. start with a prognostication a guy named warren sharp he does an off-season magazine that i uh, really enjoy it's really thick and it's filled with numbers and stuff but if you want to really know about your nfl team or any nfl team going into a season a guy named warren sharp does the best magazine out there he's not paying for paying me for this plug i just think he's brilliant all off-season long warren sharp was the guy that was beating the 49ers drum Kyle Shanahan's great. The roster is great. This team is going to win the NFC, potentially go to the Super Bowl. He did that all offseason long, and he had a lot of doubters, myself included, and he nailed that prognostication. So Warren Sharp is a winner uh, for absolutely nailing the San Francisco 49ers, even though, as we just mentioned, they should have uh, absolutely lost last night, thanks in part to a non-call pass interference, and also Pete Carroll decides that he is the worst coach. I mean, he really is the worst coach in the NFL uh, from the one-yard line and in. If you didn't see that game last night, Seattle has to score a touchdown. They have the ball under a minute left. They get it down to San Francisco's one-yard line. They spike the ball to stop the clock. And somehow, someway, after they spike the ball... They take a delay of game penalty, backing them up to the six. They can't punch it in from the six. They lose the football game. So I gave you a winner, and now here's a loser that I wasn't planning on. Pete Carroll, inside of the one, the Seattle Seahawks, taking a delay of game penalty after you spiked the football on the one because you took too long to change your personnel and get Marshawn Lynch in the game. That was Embarrassing doesn't even describe it well enough, but that's the second time now that Pete Carroll has failed in an extremely meaningful football game with the inability to score 
from inside of the one. My other winner from the weekend is the NFC. If you look at the playoff picture in the National Football League, the NFC is extremely compelling. So you've got three teams with just three losses at the top of the NFC. So the the NFC itself and the NFL going into the playoffs is a winner this week, Richard. Are you excited about the playoffs? I'm thrilled, even though, I mean, imagine 13-3 and not getting a bye. So the Saints have to play Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, and it's a shame that that game's at noon because when the sun sets, even though it's in a dome, he's horrendous. So they could have just done us a favor and moved (laughs) that game uh, to the nightcap. But, man, I'm thrilled. I think... I think Tennessee has a real shot at New England. I think any of the three teams in the NFC can win. I have no idea who's going to make the Super Bowl because as good as the Ravens are, you cannot count out the Chiefs. And for some reason, I think maybe Rippy's just talking me into it, I kind of believe in the Titans right now, if they're healthy. Did, Did you see the reaction that they showed on Sunday Night Football last night? Or, or maybe it was the highlight shows for the Chiefs fans when they realized that the Patriots were losing that game. Yeah, and then Kevin Harlan on the radio. Well, I guess he was calling it on TV, though, wasn't he? Well, I, I missed that. I, I saw somebody said Kevin Harlan doing play-by-play for two games at the same time is exactly as good as you thought it would be. Man, it was awesome. So... Uh, it was right after, I think, Kansas City kicked an extra point to go up 10. But as they're lining up to kick the extra point, Miami scores. And so they're lining up, and he just transitions right away without even thinking to describing the Miami touchdown. He's like, Fitzpatrick rolls out, oh, it's a touchdown for Miami, and they take a lead in New England. And then immediately back to, and the extra point is good, and now the fans here know it. It was awesome. to I mean, just fluid in real time, called the Fitzpatrick touchdown while waiting to call an extra point in the Chiefs game. It was awesome. We want to hear your winners and losers. You can text them to us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. That's the number, C Spire, customer inspired. Did you mention Joe Burrow a second ago? I have not said Joe Burrow yet. I said Warren Sharp because he's like the only person that called that the 49ers would win the NFC this offseason, and then the NFC itself for having three Really good teams. Really good football teams. No question. By the way, 14-7, to Mississippi State leading it over Louisville. There are 30 seconds left in the half. Louisville's got it at, their, at the Mississippi State 30, second and 17, and trying to make a play in the open field. So now they've got it inside the 20 down to the 17. Louisville's out of timeout, so they've got to hustle to the line and uh, they can't spike it. Well, they are going to spike it. They'll spike it and kick a field goal to try to make it 14-10 to 10 at the half, but you got flags down as well. So uh, we'll unfold all of that drama. We're, we're kind of out of descriptive words to talk about Joe Burrow. He is supremely confident. I thought his post-game interview on the field, it, it was not, it wasn't cocky, but it was incredibly honest when he was asked about, you know, the, the win and getting to the national championship game. He said, we are exactly where we expected to be. We expected to win this. We expected to be in this game to play for a national championship. 
that is Borky, I don't know where the confidence comes from. Is it coming from their head coach? Kind of it, feels like it. It, it feels like in terms of confidence, LSU is taking its cues from its head coach. And Ed Ogeron believes in this team and believes they're going to win a national championship. We'll see if they do or not. I think they're going to. I think it is a special team with a special quarterback. One of the things that we've not talked about, and I don't know that this is necessarily winner or loser, the, the right way to describe it, it's just sad. And that is the plane crash that happened in Lafayette, Louisiana on Saturday afternoon. Five people died in the plane crash, including the daughter-in-law of Steve Insminger. And I mean, I, I guess you put Steve Insminger in the winner's category. Um calling plays with an unbelievably heavy heart, knowing what had happened, having received the news from Ed Ogeron that his daughter-in-law, who by all accounts was just a lovely young lady and was respected by all of her colleagues and just a joy to be around, passes away. She was a Northwestern State graduate and worked with the Saints and worked with the Pelicans and had done some things covering LSU. And she was a TV reporter for WDSU, I believe, in uh, New Orleans. Okay. Just a heartbreaking story there. And, man, you know, Carly is the one whose uh, name kind of is out there for everybody. She had four other people as well who lost their lives and whose families are having to deal with that as well. Just a heartbreaking story out of the state of Louisiana on a plane on their way to Atlanta for the uh, college football playoff semifinal game. Sports Talk Mississippi, those are your winners and losers. We'll get to your winners and losers when we come back. 14-10 to 10 at the half in Nashville, Mississippi State leading in the Continuing with winners and losers on this Monday afternoon. What did you see from the weekend that you like? What did you see that you didn't like? What stood out to you that falls in one of those two categories? You can text us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Borky, i got a winner for you here. Let's hear it. SEC basketball. So we've spent really the first couple of months of the season watching the SEC lose games that maybe you didn't expect them to lose and as a result going, eh, league, not what it was a year ago. And with that statement, I agree. The league is not what it was a year ago. But you lost 13 of your 15 top scorers from a season ago and a ton of guys go to the NBA. But all of a sudden, just in the last couple of weeks, Teams are starting to play a little bit better, starting to kind of figure it out, and you've had some pretty impressive wins. You've got Auburn at number five in the net, Arkansas at 26, LSU at 41, a huge jump yesterday for LSU after beating previously undefeated Liberty, Kentucky at 44, they've made a big jump in the last week, 
and especially after their win against Louisville on Saturday. Ole Miss at 54, Florida at 58, Alabama at 65, Missouri 68, etc. The lowest-ranked teams in terms of the net is Texas A&M at 197. They're just not very good right now, and yet even they had a win a week and a half ago. It was a pretty good win for the league. So you had Texas A&M that beat an Oregon State team that was previously 9-1. and This is just in the last week and a half. Yesterday, you had Arkansas go to Indiana and win, and the Big Ten is stacked this year. Indiana had only two losses. Um, LSU gets the win against Liberty. Obviously, Liberty out of the Atlantic Sun. They're not nearly as talented as some teams, but it's a Liberty team that had gone 33-3 and in the calendar year that ended yesterday, and that included a win on the road against Vanderbilt, it included the win against Mississippi State in the NCAA tournament. It included a win at Pauley Pavilion a year ago against UCLA. So while it's not a great Liberty team, it's a good Liberty team. And that was a good win. Kentucky with a huge win against Louisville on Saturday. Things are starting to pick up a little bit. So yes, some bad losses early for the SEC, some head scratchers, but some good wins all of a sudden, starting to kind of come together as we are now just a couple of days from the start of league play. Couple of um couple of your winners and losers. On the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Kelso in Ocean Springs. He says, winner, my Washington Redskins for finally getting rid of that no talent clown Bruce Allen. <laughs> I can't believe Ron Rivera it hasn't gone official yet but based on reporting uh is just going to go ahead and take that job like not going to interview with New York not going to interview I guess with Cleveland uh, or Jacksonville but just going to go ahead and take that Washington job I was a little surprised by that I don't think it's a job you want I mean the maybe Dallas is coming open too or potentially um it just feels like you could have waited for that one Quinn says, read an article yesterday that discussed how Coach O has been mocked, made fun of, and doubted more than any other coach in modern history, including by the writer of the article. He said that O has flipped the script and silenced his critics. Therefore, Coach O is a winner, and he's about to get a national championship under his belt in two weeks. Greg and Nettleton, losers. The referees in the Louisville Kentucky basketball game on Saturday. Greg says Kentucky got every call in the second half of the game in overtime. The cards got literally screwed on the road, and the funny thing is it's like they expected it. The refs plus big blue nation equals unbeatable. That's real talk. He said that he flipped it over when LSU went up by half a hundred at halftime. (laughs) Uh, Winner, Joe Burrow for a legendary performance. Loser, NCAA officials for not knowing what a catch is. In fairness, the officials on the field got it right. They did. It was overturned by the replay official. Uh, Losers, SEC refs. Here's another one for uh, LSU. Winner, Ed Ogeron and LSU. Go Tigers. Loser, pouting Ohio State. Are they pouting? 
I do see where they're coming from. I mean, they got points taken off the board in a playoff game. That's tough. That's not even like the no call in the Saints-Rams game. They got points taken away from them off the board that sh- that were on there and should have been on there, got them taken off the board. Mm. Hammy in Hattiesburg sends us a uh, picture of his grill. He's got steaks on the grill, and he says, Winner, my steaks. <laughs> they look good. How about Jameis Winston? Is he a winner or a loser? I mean, he's the... NFL uh, passing champion this year, 5,103 yards, I believe, but definitely 5,100-plus yards. But he also is the first quarterback ever to have 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in one season. So he's kind of both. That puts him in an elite category if he's playing professional baseball. 30-30 club? (laughs) Did you see uh, what uh, Bruce Arians said today? What did he – oh, said that they could win with uh, another quarterback besides Jameis Winston? He, he was asked if the team could win with another quarterback. He said, quote, with another quarterback? Oh, yeah. If we could win with this one, we can definitely win with another one, too. Wow. <laughs> it's probably not what he was trying to say, but that's what he said. Robert in Oak Grove, loser. Detroit Lions, oh. biggest choke artists ever. My guess is, Robert, you're probably a Saints fan. Oh, David Blau. Oh, he almost pulled it off. But speaking of fool's gold, Oklahoma wasn't because you should have known what they were. I think the Packers are going to get beat in their first playoff game, no matter who they play. I think they are fool's gold. Their record does not indicate what kind of team they have. Okay. What? Still got Aaron Rodgers, though. They do. But it's also a playoffs on that side of the bracket that has Garoppolo, who's been great this year. I know he's not on that level, but still. Garoppolo, you've got Drew Brees, obviously. Russell Wilson in the wild card game. I mean, Carson Wentz is playing better and healthy. Those Cousins is good when it's not nighttime. The quarterbacks in the NFC all can beat each other, I think. Winners and losers rolled into one. Winners, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Dawson Knox, three guys that all played at Ole Miss and three guys that have all had exceptional rookie seasons. Uh, does the loser, I mean, is it even? does it even need to be said out loud? <laughs> I do find it funny that the NFL people that just do not consume college football at any level are learning that Ole Miss lost seven games with those guys in a veteran quarterback and three offensive linemen who were in the NFL and a thousand yard rusher. Yeah. Like, there's a, a reason there was. Line. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that there was a coaching change recently. Wildcard weekend in the NFL should be fun. Bills at Texans, that's the early game on Saturday. Titans at Patriots, the Saturday night game on CBS. Man, that's that's a juicy football game. And the it Patriots really are is. coming in, struggling on offense. Brady looked like absolute garbage against Miami in a game that they were actually trying to win, obviously, for seeding purposes. It's not like the Patriots mailed it in yesterday. They had to win that game. If they win, they get a first-round bye. Absolutely. So, in a game that they needed, he looked that bad. Ryan Tannehill... By the way, the best passer rating in the NFL 
ahead of Drew Brees. Wow. It's been a really good year for him. Titans have scored 20 or more points in 10 straight games. The Patriots have not won a game this season in which they have given up more than 20 points. Hmm. Something's got to give at Foxborough. On Sunday in the early game, Vikings at Saints. Whew. Well, that's a tough first-round matchup. Yeah. I just I cannot believe 13-3. and three. And the Saints have nobody to blame but themselves, right? Because they blew that game against San Francisco at home and then somehow found a way to lose to the Falcons. So, yep. But 13-3 and three not getting a bye is it's just – that sucks. Seahawks at the Eagles. That could be fun, too. It really could be. I wouldn't be even a little bit surprised if the Eagles won that game. So on the NFC side of things, you've got an 11 and 5 team in Wild Card Weekend. You got a 10 and 6 team as part of Wild Card Weekend. As uh, as uh, I'm sorry, a 13 and 3 team as uh, part of Wild Card Weekend as well. Those are your winners and your losers. Thanks for sending us yours on the C Spire text line. Take a timeout, come back with more in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Mississippi State has gotten a good game today out of Kobe Jones on the defensive line. And he just absolutely blew a play up to start the second half, Louisville's first offensive play of the second half. Bulldogs leading 14-10 over Louisville. Just underway in the third quarter of the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. More football coming up tonight. you got the uh, Orange Bowl tonight from Miami with the Florida Gators and the Virginia Cavaliers. Florida, big favorite in that game. I know, Borky, you said earlier today you thought Florida won by 17. You, you, you are confident about that? Yeah, I'm pretty confident about that. There's nothing about this game other than the fact that it's the only thing that's on tonight that draws me to it, though. Yeah. And it's games like this, we've had a texter a couple of times, I figured we'd get into it at some point today, about how the people that call for playoff expansion look like idiots today because there's only three teams that are capable of winning a national championship. And that latter point I agree on, we talked about it for a while. It was always LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, maybe Alabama, but there was always something funky about them. That's who were the best teams in college football. You expanded to 8, 12, 16, 24, 100 those are the three teams that are going to be there at the end. But wouldn't it be nice if tonight's game at least had stakes on it? Wouldn't it have been nice watching the Cotton Bowl, which was pretty exciting there for a little while, Penn State ran away with it, if the game actually mattered? I know that Ohio State and Clemson and LSU are going to win the national championship, a combination of the three, but why are people so against more games that matter? They're already playing the game. So why not increase the stakes a little bit? And who knows, you may get an upset or two thrown in there every so often. Sure. A- absolutely. And look, I mean, I, I still like the idea. I know I'm beating the same drum over and over and over of winning your conference championship meaning something. And I know 
Okay, you only play eight conference games in some leagues, and in some leagues you play nine, and eh, okay. Whatever. Go win your league, and you're in the tournament. And, okay, we get some blowouts. We had a blowout on Saturday with LSU against Oklahoma. Clemson-Ohio State, probably the second-best semifinal game that we've seen in the college football playoff format that we've got right now. I would still say that the Oklahoma-Georgia game from the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago is the best semifinal game that we've seen. Certainly the most entertaining. Um, I mean, it was great theater a couple of years ago. But Saturday night was great also. And what's to say that in a 2-7 game or a 3-6 game or the 4-5 game, you wouldn't get that? Are you going to have a blowout more times than not in number one versus number eight? Yeah, probably so. So that part's not any different. I just like college football. I like most of the bowl games. I was not I wasn't terribly attracted today to Western Kentucky against Western Michigan, but it ended up being a pretty entertaining game. Just one that was played in front of about 3,000 people, it looked like. But, so what? If you want to argue that the system is right right now, I'm okay with that. But, that doesn't make you an idiot for arguing that eight teams is the way to go. Yeah. if you, The playoffs, the first playoff was in 2014, and Ohio State won with their third-string quarterback. Undeniable that they were the best team in college football, considering that fact. And the combination of Alabama and Clemson since then, there has not been a single person that's looked back and thought, you know, I don't know if the best team won this year. So the desired result is happening. The best team in college football is getting crowned champion. That doesn't mean you can't add a few more teams and a few more meaningful games to enjoy the sport more. I I don't see anything wrong with this. People point to the Eagles getting a home playoff game as the reason why college football shouldn't do their playoff like the NFL, but an Eagles winning their division the way they did, that doesn't happen all that often anyway. And you don't have to do it the exact same way as the NFL does. So that's just, it's a non sequitur that people throw out there that it doesn't actually apply here. Yeah. Nine and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Mississippi State leading 14 to 10 over Louisville. Bulldogs have gotten a stop on third down. So it looks like Louisville is going to be forced to try another field goal. And Mississippi State has a player that is down and injured on the play. I couldn't tell exactly who that was. And they're getting banged up today. Yeah, they uh, they are. Kylan Hill has played very little in the game. Errol Thompson has played very little in the game. Uh, both of them dealing with some uh, some injuries. Sports Talk Mississippi, two hours in the books. We've got the college football fix coming up. We've got the Pearl River Resort pick of the day, and we'll look at yesterday's NFL results plus the other bowl games from the weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. More coming up after this.
Sunday afternoon, just after 5 o'clock with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Michael Borky, only two days left in 2019. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, let Mississippi Land Bank help you. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. So, Borky, just two days left today and tomorrow in 2019. We talked some about this last week. What are the, whether you want to do of the year or of the decade, and we spent a good bit of time last week talking about some of the biggest sports stories of the decade. And even though it's really about an 11-year window, I think there's a really good argument to be made that Tiger Woods and his fall, well, kind of being on the top and then fall and then the rise all the way back to the top and winning the Masters last year, President's Cup captaincy, that that's the most interesting story of the last decade. Where do you fall on that? That's hard to disagree with that, isn't it? I, I think football people... Got a people lot of layers would, to it. Yeah, it does. Uh, football people would probably argue um, Lamar Jackson, maybe. I think the LeBron James, um, Houston Rockets, China thing is a fascinating story and one that you just you don't hear very often, a geopolitical American sports issue. Yeah, And, I mean, it fired up a lot of people and it became, you know, American politics, which is one side versus the other, and there's no in-between. But, man, we had a general manager of an American sports franchise simply support the desire to have democracy, and it became a firestorm. How often does something like that really happen? And it cost the league... Or could have cost the league. It sounds like they've kind of worked it out as they would have hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions. Yeah, I, I think you might be looking at a B instead of an M. Billions versus millions. Yeah, it's uh it is a fascinating story. And you know, in in terms of the year in review, I'm not sure how many lists would have that on on the, you know, top five or top ten stories, but it certainly is a massive story. From uh, from 2019, uh, I always am somewhat fascinated by the prediction columns. We got uh, we got one earlier this month from John O'Rand at Sports Business Journal. Uh, some of the predictions, and one of those has already kind of turned out to uh, to be true, or at least trending in that direction. With the CBS leaving, uh, or the SEC not renewing with CBS on the game of the week. And the amount of money that's going to be tied to that for SEC school is going to be a really, really big deal. We may spend some more time tomorrow on some of those on the final day of 2019. But right now, just after 5 o'clock, it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. Don't you think the last day of the calendar year would be a good day to get a brand-new Ford vehicle? 
Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer. There's still great savings at the end of the year. Some 2019 closeout models up to 20% off MSRP. So a, uh, a lot to get to and a lot for you to look into to potentially save as we close out 2019. Uh, Richard Cross, Michael Borky. So let's look at some of the results from other bowl games that were not part of the college football playoff semifinals and don't necessarily involve a team from the state of Mississippi. Mississippi State still leading 14-10 to 10 over Louisville. Louisville's just converted a uh, big third down play and will keep their drive alive inside Mississippi State territory. Missed a field goal, uh, one possession to go that would have gotten them within one. Uh, but uh, Mikhail Cunningham, the uh, quarterback for Louisville, has had a pretty good game, both running it and throwing it so far. Mississippi State got off to a fast start offensively, uh, but since then, uh, not great. Texas A&M 24-21 over Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard was the uh, kind of the marquee name going into that ball game. Uh, Borky, A&M fell behind early in the game and then kind of controlled the game for the rest of the way. Yeah, and I kept thinking, after bowl games, I always immediately looked the next season. So is year three, after two consecutive five-loss seasons, uh, put up or shut up year? Because that's what everybody was pointing to when Jimbo was hired is, you look, he's got to turn over the roster. The schedule is really difficult with having to play Clemson on the road. But year three is kind of when everybody's been able to compete at a national level. Took Saban only two, took Ryan Day one, it took Dabo seven or whatever. But most people point to year three as the year where, all right, it's your program. You've had three full recruiting cycles. Time to win right now. Is that going to be the expectation, though, for them next season? I mean, I don't think they've got to be a college football playoff team next year. They need to win 9 or 10 in the regular season. When, when I mean, not, not that They should return, money. what, 18 starters or yeah, something like that? they got a ton of guys coming back, veteran quarterback. they got to figure things out at the running back spot because they are, in the bowl game, they were down five running backs. Three to the transfer portal, one to injury, and one – who I guess it was disciplinary reasons. So they got to get it going at the uh, at the running back spot. Oh goodness, wide open wide receiver touchdown for Louisville. They're now ahead 16-14 extra point coming up. Not good. Completely blown coverage there. Nobody close on what looked like just a go route to the end zone. May have been a post corner route. Something's wrong there. I, I said this yesterday, and I. Didn't if it was the Sunday show, so I didn't get the feedback like I would have here. But and we've probably already hammered it to the ground. I was off last week, though. The if the punch and the knocking trader out of the bowl game thing happened in a vacuum, I think it would probably or should probably have been viewed differently. But I mean, this is a program that repeatedly shows up to games unprepared, makes boneheaded mistakes in games. Had an NCAA issue that got players suspended for eight games. And here in a bowl game, yet again, they started slow. I know the offense scored a couple of touchdowns early, but look, disengaged, blowing coverages, sloppy football. And something's wrong there. There's a, I don't know if it's cultural or discipline or what, but there is something wrong there. And they very well could win this game by three touchdowns. I don't know, but something's up. 
And it's got to get corrected tomorrow. Borky, I don't know what the answer is. But do you, do you feel what I feel? There, there's something off with the current vibe. Is that the right word? Uh, just everything that's going on there, there. It always feels like something's off. And then you tell your fans to kick rocks. And they, they go to Nashville. And you, you play like this. And your quarterback can't even play in the game. And it's just feels like there is something wrong and the results on the field prove it. Yeah, I mean, because of the expectations a year ago and underachieving in a year in which the expectations were really high, and Joe Moorhead was quick to point out, I mean, it's not like we inherited the 85 Bears. No, you didn't, but you inherited a really good defense. Really good defense. And, yes, the suspensions factored into the results on the field this year for Mississippi State. That's true. But, yeah, I think it's fair to say that something looks a little off. I think that's fair. Rudy on the C Spire text line, he said it's almost like a lack of respect or responsibility, and I've said it since day one. For Joe Moorhead. Greg and Jackson says 100% correct. Rick Ray like. Greg in Nettleton. It's called Heart, my brother. Don on the coast of state has the worst secondary in history. Jason says, Look, I've been trying to straddle the fence all year, but I'm done. I'm out on Moorhead. We do not have the talent to run Penn State's system. And everyone knows it, players included, but Joe Moorhead. We'll continue to look at some of the other bowl games and also some NFL stuff from yesterday when we continue with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. for Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens rolling out, bought some time, realized he was past the line of scrimmage, had to take off running. He was hit, fumbled, it was scooped, and taken the other way by Louisville. And now pending the extra point, Cardinals going to go up 10 on Mississippi State with 2.51 to play in the third quarter. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Glad to have you along on this Monday afternoon. Borky, we were um we were looking at some of the results from other bowl games that have happened. I'm just seeing that Excuse play, me. by the way. Uh Defender was lucky he didn't get a fifteen yarder taunting before he got in the end zone. It's not a big deal. He was holding the ball up in the air and stuff, but college refs will throw that flag on you if you do that sometimes. Which would be kind of ridiculous. It's right? so stupid that they do that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, how about Iowa and the beatdown of Southern Cal and the absolute complete disengagement from Southern Cal fans with regard to Clay Helton, a recruiting class that 
what, they signed eight on the early signing period. It's ranked in the 60s or something like that. It's Southern Cal. Are they still going to go back and make a change? No, right? They're not making a change. They already decided that he was staying. They decided that. I mean, I guess they're not going to, but it's almost like it was the new president and AD kind of flexing a little bit and saying, no, this is what we're going to do. But I don't know. It just feels like it would make sense given where they are right now. And they're not like a Nebraska, for example, where I think Nebraska is never going to get back to that level. Never is a a strong word, but they are going to have a much harder time getting back to the level of competing for championships every year. They have geographical deficiencies that really harm their ability to get the best players. They used to be this blue blood program. We're talking about Nebraska. Nebraska. Southern Cal does not have that problem. It's right. What, what is going on there is completely inexcusable. And I know they were ranked going into the bowl game, but still, that is a place where you don't have to leave your bottom fourth of the state that you're in to field a roster that can compete for national championships on an annual basis. Like Southern Cal is the right head coaching hire away from being in the college football playoff in two years. Maybe three. It's that good of a program. Southern Cal got one top fifth. Eh, I don't want to exaggerate it. One top 25 player in the state of California in this recruiting cycle. One. It's Southern Cal. Arguably the most tradition-rich program in all of college football. Private school, though, where leadership has been a massive issue. Massive issue. North Carolina smoked Temple. The expectations for North Carolina are going to be high next year, in year two, under Matt Brown. Best freshman quarterback in America. And a bunch of guys coming back. I think they lose, like, one senior that was a starter next year. It's impressive. And how about Longo reinvigorating uh, his image? Sort of. Sort of. I mean, they look, give him credit. He, he got a chance to make a move. It was probably a good move for him. It was the move that Ole Miss wanted. You know, we'll, we'll see how it ends up long term. But it appears to be a good move all the way around. What about the Cotton Bowl? Penn State 53-39 over Memphis. What'd you make of that game? Aside from the fact that I find Penn State impossible to like in any capacity, um, I think this just kind of shows you the difference between the Power Five and the Group of Five. And I know that it has happened before where teams from the Group of Five beat the Power Five. I know it's happened. But... Relative equal footing. Penn State was a team that was kind of in the mix for the college football playoff, but never really there. They weren't competitive with Ohio State. That, And this is a generational Memphis team. And when it came down to it, one team had significantly better players than the other. And that's 
an overgeneralization, but that's why, and it bothers poor Luke so bad, and we'll have him on to talk about Southern Miss later, but that's why I have the position I do, that even though I understand if the playoff expands, you will have to welcome in a group of five because that's the only way everybody agrees on it, I don't think they would belong there. I think they should get their own championship because a game like that shows you that there's just a significant difference. And that gap's not going to close either. Yeah. Hey, you know, Memphis could have had a couple of things early in that game go differently, but they didn't. And then Penn State just absolutely pulled away. Absolutely pulled away. Is Memphis going to stay at the level they've been the last couple of years under Mike Norvell with their new head coach? That's a good question. I I think the first audition, if you want to call it that, was a good one, though, right? I mean, I know they lost the game, but they hung with Penn State for a little while. And like I said, the talent gap was palpable. You could see it. And scored 39 on a Big Ten team in a bowl game setting. And Brady White, even though that was probably his best game throwing the football, you can tell that they can do better at that spot. Notre Dame smoked Iowa State 33-9. Is that the quietest 11-win season in the history of football? It's pretty quiet. You know, a lot of the luster went away early when Notre Dame lost their game to Georgia. You remember all the build-up? That was so long ago. Or it feels like a really long time ago. So much build-up for that one. And Notre Dame played well. They held their own against Georgia. Georgia turned out to be maybe a little less than we thought they would be this year. I'm really interested to see the Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Baylor to see if Georgia plays with a chip on its shoulder and plays mad or if Georgia is what everybody kind of anticipates, which is disinterested in that game. So they lost to Georgia in week three. They got smoked by Michigan, and that's it. Closed out the season with wins over Virginia Tech, Duke, Navy, Boston College, Stanford, and then Iowa State in the bowl game. And Ian Book had a pretty good year. They are headed to the fourth quarter at the Music City Bowl in Nashville. 12 yards of total offense in the third quarter for Mississippi State. 12. 12. Hey. For the game, Tommy Stevens is 6 of 10. For 64 yards. Mississippi State has 105 yards rushing. And you remember we talked a little bit about uh, Tutu Atwell? Mm-hmm. The five foot eight maybe, receiver? He's got well, nine what do they list his weight at? 47 yards. 145, I think. Oh, wow. That's probably actually accurate. Oh, oh no, no, no. 5'9", 153. Oh, not a chance. listed. Like 5'8", 145. Yeah. He's a good player, though. And uh, Louisville threatening to try and stretch this out a little bit against Mississippi State. I want to see if Mississippi State's got any punch left in them. Because in the third quarter, all of the momentum with Louisville. Louisville's got a good crowd at the ballgame. They are into it. Louisville jumping around, excited on the sideline. And you know sometimes you'll see where defenses get that look. Where it's like, we can't wait. For the other offense to snap the ball, because we're about to blow somebody up. That's what Louisville's looked like on the last two defensive possessions. I want to see if Mississippi State's got a punch left in them. No pun intended. 
in the uh, in the fourth quarter of this game. Greg said, remember me telling y'all, just watch that sorry bunch. Remember? Hmm. I remember, Greg. Uh, Penn State was way more physical. That's on the C Spire text line. Uh, Jason says Louisville's about to blow us out. 76 yards of offense in the second and third quarter combined for Mississippi State. Went three and out to start the game, but had a couple of really good offensive drives after that. Since then, nothing offensively for Mississippi State. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. we got more coming up. What happened yesterday in the NFL? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know if we're ready to answer that question yet. Odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl? The Baltimore Ravens. Who would have picked that back in August? Nobody. Take a quick timeout. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank Studio. I saw swimming in a Another touchdown for Louisville. Cardinals now lead at 31-14 over Mississippi State. Fourth quarter action in Nashville. 13-52 to play. And Louisville continues to dominate really since the end of the first quarter. Well, if you remember... Second quarter, 14 in the third, seven so far in the fourth. If you remember the start of the game, it was a quick three and out from Mississippi State, and Louisville got all the way down inside the 10 and fumbled it away. So it could have been like this from the jump, if not for that. Yeah, Mississippi State took advantage, though, early, but drove down the opposite direction, scored a touchdown, and led 14 to nothing. Yep. But since then, 31 unanswered by Louisville. Scott Satterfield in year number one after being named ACC Coach of the Year trying to notch eight wins. Mississippi State trying to avoid a losing record coming into this game at 6-6. Six and six. All right, yesterday in the NFL. Titans over the Houston Texans. I don't think that was necessarily a surprise to anyone, but it's pretty dominant. And... Some great plays made by A.J. Brown, the rookie wide receiver. First, is he going to be the offensive rookie of the year? I think he should be. And he's the first 1,000-yard rookie receiver since one Michael Thomas, who just signed a $100 million contract. So... It's good work if you can get it. Yeah. I mean, he's... And they use him so well, too. They... They get him the ball in space. I mean, they, they test defenses vertically with him because he he's physical enough and he can do it, but his biggest strength is yards after the catch. He's just so physical. And, and deceptive speed for his size, it, that's where he's at his best. I mean, they did a couple, a couple of things against New Orleans two weeks ago where he basically got like a little shovel pass because he's so good in the open field and so big and physical. The Titans use him so well in that regard. It's a perfect fit. By the way, Pac-12 officiating has been pretty bad in this game. On that last drive for Louisville, uh, there were no collaborative replay. So it's not a buzz down and stop it. But there were twice where the officials in the stadium could have stopped the game to go to a replay monitor. 
that would have ruled Louisville fumbling and Mississippi State recovering didn't do it, and then on the very next play could have stopped to go back and review what should have been a targeting on Mississippi State, didn't do it. So Pac-12 officials giving you about what you would expect. On par? On par. On par and on brand. What a game last night, Sunday night football, final game of the regular season, final game of the decade, 26-21, Niners over Seahawks. And Borky as close to a game-winning touchdown as you can have. Like, literally, as close as you can get to a game-winning touchdown without getting a game-winning touchdown. How terrible is Pete Carroll inside of a yard? He's the worst coach in football history from well, one game, yard out. I mean, that, your point's a good one. The game changed. So so they, they signed Beastmo. They get Marshawn Lynch back on the team. And you want to talk about the perfect Hollywood script. The Seahawks get the ball down to the one, and they want to bring Marshawn Lynch into the game, and they let the play clock expire with no timeouts remaining. And it gets bounced back to the six-yard line, and then they end up not scoring. It's just unbelievable that an NFL and Forky, team. And you're especially mad because it cost the Saints uh, first-round bye. A bye week. I mean, how as an NFL team, after you spike the football, take a delay of game? How do you do that? High schools, junior high is better prepared in that situation than the Seahawks were last night. No idea. Eagles beat the Giants 34-17. Eli Manning is done as a New York football giant. Has said today that his time with the Giants is over. He's not sure about his future beyond that. But has said being a backup was really not much fun and there's not much interest in being a backup again. So, have we seen Eli Manning play quarterback in the National Football League for the last time? I think so, but I don't think it won't be without some effort. I have a feeling they might you know, try to gauge the market, but once the market decides that there's probably not a place for him, he'll retire. I mean, maybe yeah, Denver? I, 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 but John they, Elway basically said today, though, that Drew Locke's their starting quarterback going forward. And he's been good. Yeah. So where else? I mean, San Diego to complete that circle? Uh, not San Diego, but you know what I mean. The Chargers, yeah, they should really be see. in San Diego. I don't really see that happening. Other than that, I mean, there's there's no real suitor. Miami? Me? Maybe they draft Tua? I mean, Fitzpatrick actually played fairly well this year. Especially See, given the – I don't think Miami can do it, though, because of the issues they've got on the offensive line. He'd be a great uh, hand-the-reins-over quarterback to whoever they draft. Fitzpatrick would. Start him for five, six or weeks. Or either one, but since you've already got Fitzpatrick. Just start him for five or six weeks. Yeah. And then once you know your guy's ready, you turn it over to him. Dolphins beat the Patriots 27-24. That gives Kansas City the number one seed. And as a result, the Pats are going to play this weekend. And it's not a fun opponent, I don't think. With Tennessee Titans rolling into Foxborough, 
Packers 23 to 20 over the Lions. Saints really needed the Lions to lose this one or to uh, to win the game. There was ample opportunity and yet no. Saints smoked the Panthers yesterday, 42 to 10. Borky, you were planning on going to that game and then decided not so much. Yeah, I wasn't going to sit in the rain to watch Will Greer stink out loud. <laughs> Bengals by 10 over the Browns. Say that out loud again. The Bengals by 10 over the Browns. Got Freddie fired. And Baker Mayfield uh, didn't threaten a fan. That's being exaggeratory. Uh, but a fan was yelling at him. Whoa, right whoa, before did you just make up a word? Yeah. <laughs> Exaggeratory? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows what I'm saying. Whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. I just don't think I've ever heard that one before. Let's see what Google says. I wonder if that's actually a word. Uh, but anyway, a fan was yelling at him, and Baker yells back, why don't you come down here and say it to my face? You're an NFL uh, quarterback. Come on, man. Just ignore that and go play. Like You have so much talent. One, if they can hire a coach that will get him to stop doing that, he can end up being really good. But there's something to the idea of your quarterback being your typical good quote, buttoned up, never done anything, does anything wrong, gets married, has five kids, and you never hear about his personal life or anything like that. There's something to be said about that kind of guy translating to being a good quarterback. And... The more stuff, the getting into it with reporters and yelling at fans and all of, all of that that comes with Baker Mayfield, that translates on the field when you play that position. Absolutely it does. I mean, that, there's a reason that teams like the idea of Eli Manning as their quarterback. Exaggeratory is a word. Really? I knew, See, uh, you learn something new every day. You're welcome, everybody listening. Richard from Wiggins. Remember Joe Montana taking the Chiefs to the playoffs? Smoking Joe? Ice Eli, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Louisville backed off their pressure on that drive, and Mississippi State picked them apart. 18-yard touchdown pass, Tommy Stevens to Stephen Guidry. Makes it a 10-point game. Jason points it out as well. He says, Louisville playing prevent. State will score here. Just like that. Louisville plays soft. Steven looks like a Heisman candidate. Coaches outthink themselves sometimes, man. Everything you're doing is working, so what do you do? Stop doing it. <laughs> Makes tons of sense, doesn't it? Tons of sense.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.